<coughs> for some of you, you got to go places. Some of you got to do things um, that the Lord Jesus has commissioned you to do. Uh, that that may mean that you got to preach the gospel. Amen. Some of you guys are called to preach the gospels and, and to cast out demons, to heal the sick. Other Others of you are, are called to work in education or work and help uh, children. Some of you um, have a burden to help the elderly. But whatever the case is, as the devil is raising up his minions, as the enemy is raising up his, uh, his comrades, um, we have been called to demolish hell. Amen, somebody. Amen. We've been oh, called man. to uh, fulfill the marching orders of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we won't, uh, we won't let back, we won't, uh, uh, we won't be broken down, we won't stop, we won't faint. But we got to keep moving forward because faithful is he who called us and he will do it. Man. You know, I remember one pastor said, I don't care what the devil said. He said, I don't care what the devil or his boyfriend said. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a bit of an insult and that might be a little too uh, ghetto for you. But hey, that's who I am. So forget the devil and his boyfriend. Um, but my, my point though is it's all out war. <clears throat> he don't speak nice to you. He don't speak nice to you when he tells you, uh, all these other things, you know, in, in your head that you, you're worthless or you ain't going to make it or you're going to die or you ain't going to get married or uh, God ain't going to provide for you. You know, he tells you uh, a lot of lies. He has a whole library full of them. And his tricks ain't new. They're ancient. And what he has done to the previous generation, he'll try to do to you. And so we have to make up in our mind that we're not going to play footsies or patty cake with the devil. But that we we, uh, we hate him. We hate his mission. We hate his kingdom. And uh, we need to make we need to rise up as some uh, people who are purposed to torment hell. Amen. You know, I said last time in uh, the prayer meeting, I, I, I said, uh, you know, I don't know why the devil keeps trying anymore because I'm sure, I don't know why he hasn't learned by now that the more he afflicts the church, the more he afflicts me or brings things my way, the more I pray. So I don't know why he wants me praying more. Amen. Because when problems come my way and, and things come that I see that are not in alignment with the will of God... I pray in the, in the fashion of His will. I pray in alignment of His will, seeking and desiring that things be brought into the conformity of Christ. And so when the devil throws things out of order or upsets things, then it's just an occasion for me to pray again for the glory of God to be manifested and His power to break through on earth. <coughs> um. So, with that said, I want us to come to prayer. Um, I want us to join and uh, incline your heart to the Lord as we come to the throne of grace. I want to ask for the Lord's blessing on this meeting. And once again, Sister Estella, thank you very much. That blessed my heart. It's one of my favorite songs. And um, 
it, it, it strikes a chord, strikes a note um, in my soul. And I know that the rest of us were blessed. And may the Lord reward you for uh, you using your gift. Um, so let, let us pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, I thank you for this gathering. I thank you for your faithful saints, O Lord. I thank you, Father, for those who have purpose to come and and hear the words of eternal life. Father, I pray, God, that you would grant me unction and you would grant me uh, your Holy Ghost to be able to speak what thus saith the Lord. Father, I pray, God, in, in your holy name that you, Lord, would grant me power from on high. Father, may your word go forth, not in hype nor emotion, uh, emotionalism, but Father, with the with concision, Lord, and, and precision and truth, and God, that you would grant prophetic insight and that you would speak to the hearts and the minds of your people, that they may um, grow, Lord, that they may grow into all things, that they may be subject to the head that is you, O Lord. And Father, I pray that that they would be built up in the inner man. I pray that they would be strengthened in the inner man. I pray that they would be uh, filled with the the joy of the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray that you would cut out sin from their lives. I pray in any area, Lord, they need correction. Lord, would you administer the correction. Father, any area that they need reproof, I pray that you would reprove them, O Lord. Father, I pray that no one in this group, O Lord, would dodge your word, but is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit. So, Father, divide our soul and spirit. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from your sight, to whom we must do. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray that your peace would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And Father, for those of us that have are maybe running from you, Lord, may we uh, be induced by godly sorrow that would work a repentance that is not to be repented of. Father, may um, you afflict the comfortable and comfort, comfort the afflicted. Father, release the oppressed tonight. Release the oppressed this day, O Lord. Release them from their shackles and their chains. And Father, I just pray lastly that the word of truth would go forth and dispel all confusion in the minds of your people. That it would dispel all manner of confusion. And that they may know the word and abide in your word, proving themselves to be your disciples. For he who the Son sets free, sets free indeed. So set free this day, O Lord. For wherever your spirit is, there is liberty. (coughs) And may your spirit be present. May the Holy Ghost be present in our midst. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. (coughs) I want to ask that we turn to uh, 1 Peter. uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Welcome everybody. It's a it's great to have you all again. It's great to be in, in my room. 
I know last uh, uh, Wednesday, you know, as 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 it has been every week, I've been uh, praying in the car. I was just thinking last time. I was like, man, I wonder how it's going to be when it starts really getting hot. <laughs> it's going to be a sacrifice. There's going to be a lot of sweat coming down, you know, my forehead. Um, but hey, um, when we signed up for Christ, we we didn't sign up for a Toys R Us. Right, we signed up for a spiritual boot camp, <clears throat> and don't get me wrong. There's peace and there's times of uh, spiritual vacations, so to speak. Um, but by and large, uh, we we have to um, really discipline ourselves, and we have to sacrifice. This isn't a um, a life that is going to prop up your flesh and make you feel very comfortable in the natural. And so. Um, you know, the Bible says, Woe unto those who sit at ease in Zion. There's no sitting at ease. Um, there's rest in Christ, but rest is not ease. Because in the midst of war, you can have peace. In the midst of a storm, you can have peace. If, if that wasn't true, Jesus would not say, Peace be still. And he would not say, Why are you lacking in faith? As if I'm not in the boat. <clears throat> And I know that spoke to someone right now. For those of you, you need to know that Jesus is in the boat, even in the midst of the storm, and that he hasn't left you in in the middle of, of your storm. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and you, you need not to be lacking in faith, as if God is not able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think. Amen. Because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above. But see, the part is we uh, we want God to do, but you won't do. See, the, the doing on your part is really stepping out in faith. Trust in obedience. <coughs> Not working to, get the, do, working to get God to do things, but God already wants to do things. But some of us are so hard-headed and stubborn, we don't want to come into alignment with what he has for our lives. See, you know, the Bible says in Psalms, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. See, God is not limited nor lacking in His power. The limitation comes on part of yourself who decides, uh, that don't make sense. That doesn't register with my mind. See, God speaks to your spirit. He don't speak to your intellect. Because if He spoke to your intellect, He would try to reason and make sense with you. But a lot of the things that God says doesn't make sense. See, you want to know how God often speaks? He speaks in ways that don't make sense. You want to know how the devil speaks? He often speaks in ways that make sense. Oh, amen. Oh, you're barren. You can't have a child. Ah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Remember the doctor said, remember so-and-so said, the philosopher said, the, the uh, Stephen Furtick said, Actually, he really don't make very much sense to me. It's more hype. Um, <clears throat> but God often speaks and says, "By this time, uh, this by by this time next year, you will have a son." How how can I have a son? I, I'm I'm barren, or my body's good as dead. Amen. Or I'm so frail in the flesh. How could I ever be a preacher? 
oh, you know, uh, this or that or this or that or, you know, um, I, I am, um, or I'm not married. Or maybe you look in the mirror and you say, I'm not very attractive. How will I ever be married? I'm not saying that your self-assessment is true, but um, maybe that's something you said about uh, of yourself. Uh, now, one thing, um, last thing I'll say before I move forward. That doesn't mean that 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 uh that what God says is nonsensical. That doesn't mean that just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean that it's nonsense. <clears throat> because sometimes some Christians try to act so spiritual, so super spiritual, that... The, that they think just because it don't make sense that it immediately got to make nonsense. And they'll attribute nonsense to God and when things don't work out, they'll blame it on something else but rather than their inability to actually be sensible in their head. Amen? <coughs> so, with that said, First uh, Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 1, it says, therefore, uh, let me give a, a little bit for you guys to go, uh, go there. If you guys have your Bibles, I want to encourage you guys to get them because um, we will be doing a bit of reading. And um, if you want to follow along, I have the NIV version. <clears throat> um, so verse 1, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... <laughs> Arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Right? So, number one, we see that Peter is making an appeal to Christ. And he says, look, you are not to live a life of sin. Right? But he doesn't say you ought not to live a life of sin because it's destructive for you, even though it's true. He doesn't say you ought not to live a life of sin because... Um, you won't maximize your potential, even though that's true. Because sin, well, yes. Because sin will uh, prostitute you. <clears throat> and it will, it will reduce you to uh, nothing. But the grounds upon which Peter is wanting us to know for the reason why we should not be sinning is because Christ too has suffered in his flesh. Because to deny sin is a lifestyle that is a denial of the flesh. Okay? And so if there's any motivation for your holy living, the motivation is rooted upon in what Jesus has already done for you. If your motivation is hell, you want to avoid hell, you're already wrong. Is it is it a good thing to want to avoid hell? Of course. If you don't want to avoid hell, you're stupid. And you, you might say, well, that, that's not what Jesus would say. Come on, you need to stop with that sort of language. It is something he would say. Paul says, you fools. In the Greek, it's the word mor, uh, mornaya, where we, really, where we actually get the word moron. He's saying, you morons. You fools, don't you? And now he doesn't say that with the heart of hatred or is it because he likes to use that language. He doesn't like to use that language. But when it's appropriate to say that, then he will say it because he wants people to avoid living foolish lives. Okay, so um, 
<coughs> excuse me. Now, um, the reason for why we should not be sinning is because Jesus suffered for us. The Bible says, therefore, getting our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he says, um, to get our eyes fixed on Christ. So if there's any motivation for holy living, it's going to be rooted in what Jesus has done for you. Not what you can do for Jesus. Even though that is a valid, uh, a valid thing to consider. Hey, I want to do this for Christ. Hey, I want to do this for Christ. You should not be asking what you should be doing for Christ until you're fully nourished and rooted in what Jesus has already done for you. Amen. Because if you get the cart before the horse, if you get into the reversal, you're going to become exhausted. You're going to become fatigued. You're going to wonder, uh, when is it ever enough? When can I ever fully please God? <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, you can please God. But see, what you cannot please God in, in the air, is in the area of satisfying the debt you're in with Him. Amen. See, where you satisfy God today is remaining in the debt of love. You're constantly in the debt of love. You're no longer in the debt of sin. Only the blood could satisfy the Father. Because the Father required blood. So don't try to satisfy the debt requirement. Because you can't get to the love requirement until the debt requirement is satisfied. But Christ takes it upon himself to swipe his spiritual credit card, so to speak, to satisfy that debt you could not satisfy in order for you now to live a life of freedom in debt to his love. And it's very practical. It's not just a sentimental thing and, you know, uh, an emotional thing, even though emotions are involved. It is a very practical thing. You continue to serve him in light of all that he's done for you. <coughs> So therefore, put away um, any filthiness of the flesh. The Bible says that since uh, we, we uh, consider that Christ has died for all, therefore all have died. That henceforth we shall no longer live unto ourselves, but unto him who gave his life for us. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ that lives in me. Amen. My brothers and sisters, can you make that claim today that Christ is in you and the life that you now live, you don't live unto yourself. You don't live to please the flesh, but you live to please the one who's purchased you. <clears throat> Verse 2 says, As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. That's self-explanatory. Hey, Jesus redeemed you. He offered the greatest price that couldn't be paid by anyone else. And he set you free from the things that you had at one time cried out to God to deliver you from. And he did. And, and he has wooed your heart by that marvelous uh, death on the cross and the resurrection from the grave. Right? And so therefore, don't live unto yourself. Live unto him. 
live in order to please the will of God, to satisfy the will of God. Amen, somebody. Because here's the thing, is if you're not doing the will of God, you're doing the devil's will. Anytime you say, I choose my will over the will of God, you're choosing the will of the devil. There's no way around it. <clears throat> Verse 3, it says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. See, you know, isn't that interesting? At one time, you, you, uh, in that, there was a defining moment. You cried unto Jesus and said, Lord, deliver me from sex. Deliver me from fornication. Deliver me from drunkenness. Deliver me from drugs. Right? And, and you were so joyous that he did that. But isn't it interesting how forgetfulness creeps in? And it's not long before some Christians actually desire to go back. They said, well, at least we were well fed in Egypt. We have to keep wandering around this pathetic desert. Right? Maybe I'm going to just go sell a, a, a bag. It was easier to uh, make some money by, uh, you know, slanging some cocaine. But you're right, it's easier. You're right, it's easier to uh, pick up on a lady if you go to a strip club. It's easier to go to a nightclub and, and, and get intoxicated, get a little bit of booze in your, in your system and be able to talk with someone. But, you know, one thing Jordan Peterson said this, he said this, he said all of his years as a clinical psychologist, he's never met anybody that has lied that has gone away with it. Never. Because, because what happens is you're trying to build a life off a faulty foundation. And there's cracks in that foundation. And that foundation will turn on you and it's not long before that 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 structure that you built for your life uh, uh, implodes and 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 create, uh, falls in on itself. And so, when you build your life off a lie or you build your life off a sin, that's what happens. So, there's no cutting corners in the kingdom. There's no cutting corners in life because it will come around and it will meet you. So, it's better. See, one of, have you all you've been in a class, you know, school, and they, the teacher tells you, write an essay. And you just write nonsense. And she's like, you have to redo this stuff. It's nonsense. And you still try to keep the same structure and just erase a bunch of stuff and fill stuff. It's a whole lot harder than starting on a blank piece, uh, piece of paper, right? Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. I mean, maybe some of you guys were like, teacher's pets and maybe you can't identify with that but i can and uh it, it it's hard <laughs> it's hard to try to finagle and finesse and <clears throat> not saying i'd do that anymore because i don't i'm i'm act god has helped to make me a studious person to actually uh not enjoy studying because it's, it's hard um bible says in ecclesiastes as much much studying uh, is the weariness of the flesh but I know I want it easier. It's easier later on. 
It's difficult up front. And see, this is how you know. See, the way that God works is this way. I, I tell people all the time, you're going to drink a cup of poison. And that cup of poison involves pain. But the pain that God deals with is a pain that comes first and the pleasure comes afterward. Whereas the devil says, here's some pleasure. It's immediate. Immediate gratification. But the pain comes afterward. I can tell you how many people said, you know, I, I'm going to just throw in the towel. I'm tired. I, I, I want to marry already. Um, and they, they marry a Jezebel. They marry a, a, a Kim Kardashian. Oh boy, your life is going to get hard. Hard. It, it is. Because what happens? You marry someone that's trash. And let's say you have a kid. And then they, they take you for half your money. And now you have all this run around. Now it's harder for you to maybe get someone. Because you got all problems with baby mama. And someone don't want that in their life. And I'm not saying that, that there isn't grace, that there isn't an ability for, you know, God to meet you with some provision and, 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 you know, still have someone for you. But the point that I'm trying to make is it multiplies the difficulty. It multiplies the difficulty. And it's better to just say, God, I'm going to obey you. I, I, I just want to do it right. The, the, I want to do it right the first time around. Amen. Y'all can say amen to that. I, I know you guys want to do it. I know you ain't trying to wander around in the desert for 40 years. I mean, you can. I'm saying deuces. I'm out. <laughs> Catch you on the flip side. <laughs> I don't want to wander around for 40 years. I want out of that place. I want milk and honey. Amen. I want the land of promise. And, and. I, I want I want to enter into that which God has for me. And I know you want to enter into that which God has for you. So what's the key? The key is obey the Lord. Trust in Him. Okay, so <clears throat> it says, uh, But rather for the will of God, for you have spent enough time in the past. So you've, already, you've spent enough time doing that stuff. You, you've already... Had have given the devil time. You've already allowed him to pimp you out for a while. Why do you want to return back to that? And he says, live it in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. So debauchery is, you know, excessive indulgence. And lust, I mean, that's self-explanatory. Some, some may struggle with that. Now, some of you may say, I don't struggle with lust, but you don't realize that you actually do. Because when I say lust, you immediately think of female or male. But you may not understand that you actually have a lust for money. You have a lust for power. You have a lust for control. You have a lust to power trip. You have a lust to uh, do X or do Y or do Z. And so don't think that you're off the hook, like with, with you know, looking very pharisaical and, you know, like self-righteous with the Pharisee, like, oh, I don't deal with that. 
those those filthy people over there do, but I I don't. <clears throat> do, do what do you do? You have lust for control, lust for power, lust for money. Um, you know it's a, it's a sad thing. Um. The, the church can be very blind sometimes to to what is actually guilty of. And, and I, I really feel a prompt in my heart to say this one, um, particularly for you sisters, because I, I'm not, you know, I don't throw low blows. You know, so if I feel prompted in my heart to say it, it's because I know God wants me to say it. Um, but for those sisters who uh, have a lust to have power over men, and you know, if you say the right thing, you wink the right way, or you do the right thing, they they uh, they fall head over heels for you, and you love that. And you won't you. It's not that you will even have sex. And, and forgive me if this is too explicit, too um, too detailed, but I have to address some of these things. You may not even have sex. You might pr pr pride yourself that you don't go there. But yet you love that that uh, that sway that you have, and that's witchcraft. Y'all can say amen to that. That's charm. Amen. It, it's not charm for no reason. Crucify that. Cut that out, and become a daughter of Sarah. <clears throat> Just like men, they they love you know. It ain't nothing wrong with being strong, but some men they they love to they they pride themselves in their muscle and their strength. <clears throat> See, but but for the for women it's the opposite. You pride yourself in your beauty, and in your beauty lies your strength over men. There ain't nothing wrong with being beautiful. Ain't nothing wrong with. You know, having, you know, carrying yourself, you know, dressing nicely, but don't wield it for evil. <clears throat> Some of you have uh, issues. Maybe you, your, your father didn't give you the attention that you wanted, or maybe you got inappropriate attention. The devil sowed a seed there in your heart and kept that. That appetite alive. So it says uh, drunkenness. And so this isn't just alcohol. Some of you might be guilty of being drunk with other things. Anything that intoxicates you. How do you know you become intoxicated? You know you become intoxicated when your judgment is impaired and you're not thinking correctly. Amen, somebody. You know, you can become drunk with spiritual sloth. You don't even realize that you don't have an appetite, a relish for the things of God, spiritual things. And your your zeal is being diminished. It's, it's being deflated. And just because the balloon didn't pop in once... But the devil poked such a small hole, he punctured just a small little hole. And there's a leak 
of that zeal. And now you become drunk with spiritual sloth. A, a, a drunk with a spiritual slumber. Because what happens when you fall into a slumber or sleep, you're no longer aware of your natural surroundings. Amen. And carousing. And detestable idolatry. You, you all know what idolatry is. It's the worship of other gods. The worship of yourself. The worship... Any worship other than the true worship of Jesus Christ. Worshiping the Lord. You know, I love the life of David. And I will often make reference to him. I love, I just love how, yeah, was he perfect? No. But one thing I know about him is that he was a worshiper. He refused to worship any false gods. He not never once erected an altar unto a false god. He never once erected an Asheroth pole. To Yeah, he fell into sin in a time of weakness. And that's for some of you. You fell into sin for a time of weakness. But it's, it's beyond you. you. You won't even think about worshiping another god. Amen. You have a true zeal to worship the only, uh, only true god. And you hate idols. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says, you who love the Lord, hate that which is evil. Amen. Now, I put a video on the chat of that wicked son of the devil. Uh, uh, I mean, I can't even recite what he said about abortion. It was just absolutely evil. I hope that your blood boils up within you with a, with a righteous hatred for that evil practice. Amen. I don't know if you guys seen that video, but I heard the voice of Molech clearly speaking through that man. The voice of the devil. So why hate evil? Because of that. I hope you I hope you hate that which is evil. And so the reason why I feel like this needs to be said because for some of us we think that everything has to be kindness. And certainly we have to be kind. But don't be mistaken because the same Lord who says, Take upon my yoke, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And the, the same Lord that says, Come unto me, all you are heavy laden and burdened, you shall find rest for your souls, is the same Lord who, who constructed a whip and drove out the people and turned over their tables. Amen. Someone said, You know, hey, you know, Jesus didn't really do something that was Christ like. Uh, you know, in, in uh, one of these comment sections, and I seen one of the YouTubers. He so cleverly responded. He says that that wasn't like Jesus to destroy people's property. He says, "Well, it was his father's house. <laughs> you could turn over Amen. tables if it's your father's house." <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> you know, I remember one time uh, this brother said in a Bible study. He said. You know, you know, the Lord just stole someone's donkey. And then uh, I, I feel like the Lord had given me insight as to, to that. And I said, no. 
the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Just because he gave you something and, and told you to steward it, he can take it back anytime he wants. Hallelujah. Jesus ain't going around stealing donkey. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, verse 4. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living. And they heap abuse on you. <clears throat> you know how sin is catching a grip on you? Is you're reckless. What does it mean to be reckless? It means that you don't really count nor consider the consequences. Reckless driving. You know, I can't tell you how many young kids always zoom past me. And I'm like, you're, you're going to damage your father's truck. <laughs> Reckless. I remember one of my old friends. Um was a reckless driver. Even when I was in the world, I didn't like driving around with this guy. And uh, I said, uh, one time we, we got in a car accident. We, we went off a little, not like huge, huge cliff, but we went off a little cliff. And the car went headlong into like some mud. I'm like, yo, I ain't, I'm not driving with you at all anymore. Like it was, but anyways, I said, bro, you're going to get in a, you're going to get in a car accident. And not long after that, um, he got in a car accident. And they had to reconstruct half of his skull. He almost died. Because he was all doped out on meth. And he he just messed up, man. And, and it was crazy. Check this out. This was amazing testimony. Because I still remember I was... Um, I had to have been maybe... 20, 21 years old, and I got a call um, that my friend, you know, he was in the hospital. He was probably about a three-hour drive, and um, and so I called up one of the brothers in the Lord. I said, hey, bro, can, if I give you some money, will you drive me there because I'm going to pray for him? I wasn't giving any details. I didn't find out until I got there that he was on life support. For those of you that don't know what life support is, if they pull the plug, you're dead. But he was on life support. And he was on life support for some time. And I I prayed for him. I didn't even know this. I didn't know I didn't know that he was on life support until afterward. Okay? Um if I if I remember my facts correctly, because this was some time back, but I had prayed for him and he awoke out of that uh coma. Right when I prayed for him, and but nonetheless, um, so that that's all glory to God. But I told him, um, because he had tubes down his throat and everything, he couldn't even talk. And and he he um, I I I had uh, prayed for him, and um, once he awoke too, that uh, he would receive Christ. I'm not saying that he saved, but I did what I knew, knew to do. And um, and I told him, I said, man, God spared your life. You're here today because of the mercy of God. You're here because, and I really believe it. I believe that he was there today because of the prayers 
of of myself not because i'm anybody special but because i know christ and christ stands mediating me between me and the father and my prayers are heard on the strength of his intercession on the strength of his high priestly ministry and see this is why intercession is so important because god don't hear the people of the world Amen. Is it because God is cruel? Is it because he's merciless? No, he is merciful, slow to anger. But you have to recognize that you have to come through the proper mediation. And and, and, and that mediation is Christ. And so no matter how bad their life is, Unless they come through Jesus Christ, their burdens, their groans will not be heard. And so therefore it is imperative that you as a saint stands in the gap for them. Because if Christ will not deliver them for their, their problem for their sake, he will do it for your sake because you're coming unto Christ. You're in Christ. So when the Father hears you, he hears Christ. See, that, that's what, you know, when you stop praying, you silence the mouth of Jesus. Do you understand that? Because when you pray, you don't pray on the strength of the flesh, but you pray in the Holy Ghost. So when you pray on the strength of the Spirit, the Father is hearing spiritual language from the lips of Christ himself, as it were. Because Christ is in you. And so when you pray... The Father is hearing Christ. So let me ask you this question. Do you have confidence that the Father would hear Jesus? Amen. Jesus said this, Heretofore you have asked nothing in my name, but ask it in my name. And he says, On that day you will go to the Father yourself. So what does it mean to to pray in the name of Jesus? It is as if, uh, so if I were to say, Hey, um, in the name of the law, stop. Am I this? It's am I myself the law? No, I am not. I myself the law. But because authority has been conferred to me, theoretically speaking, I could say stop in the name of the law. So it, it, it is as if the law itself is forbidding you and telling you to stop, even though I am someone else. So when I pray, when you pray in Jesus' name, it is as if Jesus himself is uttering that prayer. So you you wonder why? Do you want to know why it is the case that the devil is so adamant about destroying your prayer life? That's the reason why. Because he don't want little Christs on earth praying the will of the Father. Amen, somebody. I know this might convict some of you. You need to up your prayer life. Amen. <clears throat> you know, we just want to confess it, possess it, blab it to grab it, speak it to reap it. <laughs> I'm going to just blab it and grab it, speak it to reap it, confess it to possess it. <laughs> you just want it, you want it quick like that. But, see, it takes some endurance to abort the plans of the devil. See, it had taken a season, it had taken a long time for you to be impregnated with evil. 
You think the devil is just going to allow yourself to allow you to abort all that he has uh, against your life in a moment's time? No. You have to hack away with the axe of prayer at the root. <laughs> yeah, 32 IMs. And that, that's not to discourage anybody, but this is the true state of affair. This is the true state, of, this is the true implication of spiritual warfare. You know, spiritual warfare isn't you getting a, a glass of milk at night and stubbing your toe. Amen, somebody. Let, let me say this. Spiritual warfare is not even you putting the flesh into subjection, per se. Because spirit, that is, that is just... Uh, uh, the flesh isn't spiritual. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That is spiritual warfare. When the devil comes himself to attack you, or his, or his boyfriend does. I better stop. His, his minions comes and attacks you. <clears throat> see, there's a difference between being tempted in the flesh. And there's time. See, the way that you know that the devil is tempting you, the devil himself, and it's just not the flesh, is the temptation feels enhanced. You, you, you guys, are you? Can you identify yeah. with that? How many of you guys can identify with that enhanced temptation? For example, there's times when you pray, and you feel you feel just gliding on eagle's wings, and the spirit helps you with the with an enormous amount of strength. You're like, man, I don't even really have to try that hard. I would just carried on eagle's wings in this prayer i've had those beautiful times in the lord okay because in those times the will of the the the, the lord is initiating your prayer and other times you initiate your prayer by your will and that that's the difference between why it's more difficult at times and when it's not, and see, some of you are waiting for the Lord to initiate your prayer, where you can't wait to, for the Lord to initiate your prayer all the time. Those are times of grace. Bless God for those. But don't wait for those to occur. You must initiate pray. Paul says, I will pray. That's what he says. I will pray. And because if you wait until the Lord initiates it, you're going to be depleted by, with strength. You're going to become dry. You're going to become a, a rusty old uh, uh, a piece of uh, what was the crust from the pizza that's been left, you know, out in the open for a week. You're crusty. You're going to crumble. That's not to insult you, but that I don't want your spiritual lives like that. So <coughs> the devil, he will enhance your temptation. But continuing forward, he says this, 
they surprise, they're surprised that you do not join with them and they're reckless while living. So you want to know that you're living the will of the devil? Your life is reckless and you're living a wild life. And that may not necessarily mean the strip club or the bar or the nightclub. And they heap abuse on you. So have you been at the place where certain people that you've respected, maybe certain family members, they heap verbal abuse on you? And it's not just one thing. They, what's a heap? It's a, 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 it's a grains of sand that are compiled. Or whatever it is. Just a, a, it's a, it's a, um, a heap. It's just a pile. right? And so they're piling accusation after accusation. Verbal abuse. Claims after claims about, oh, he's just a holy roller. Oh, he's just this. Or they don't even love us anymore. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the spiritual man judges all things, but the man that has not the spirit cannot make judgments of the spiritual man. Amen. <clears throat> you know why? Because they're seen through their own faulty grid. They're seen through their own corrupt worldview. They're seen through uh, a sin, the lens of sin. And so when they say, you know, this is wrong about you or that's wrong about you, they're just speaking by their father, the devil. And see, this is what Jesus meant when he says, don't judge. You know, every sinner knows that verse. It's probably the only verse they got on the refrigerator. Well, either that or, or they'll take Tupac's quote as a, uh, as a quote in the Bible. Only God can judge me. But see, <laughs> there's a lot of ignorance that needs to be corrected. They don't realize that the judgment... See, judgment doesn't mean wrath all the time. See, when the church makes a judgment against you, God is making a judgment against you too. I don't know if you know that. Church Excommunication, church discipline. That's why Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What was it in what context? It was in the context of church discipline. And so, you know, it ain't... There ain't no church hopping in, in real life. Because what, what, once you burn a bridge with the church and you get excommunicated, God retracts his grace from you. So even if you go to another church and you try, God ain't with you. Amen. I'll just leave it at that. But anyways, so don't just think, oh, well, he's just a, a pastor. What, you know, what, what can he do? Well, in, according to Matthew 18, if you keep sinning and, and a declaration is made and you keep, you, you keep defying that, that, that those parameters that God gave you, the Bible says, hey, we need to treat you like a tax collector. In other words, look, Jesus can say to you, I don't know you. You read it in your Bibles. Does it really mean that he was lacking knowledge of who you are? No. But see, the Bible says uh, uh, that there are certain people <clears throat> that it says they profess to know God, but they deny him with their actions. And so if you, there's a way for you to deny the Lord Jesus with your actions or with your confessions. Peter says, I don't know him, Right? Now, you can repent from that if, if you made that claim. You can repent from that. 
But if, if that is what defines you as a person whose life doesn't reflect that you know Jesus, Jesus may not know you. Anyways, uh, so continuing on, um, but the, the unrighteous person makes judgments about you. And that's what Jesus meant when he says, don't judge. Don't judge unrighteous judgments. Judge righteously. If you're going to say, hey, I need to take that, that, that speck out of your eye, then you need to take out the log in your own. I remember one time on one occasion years back, there was this individual that was clearly living a hypocritical life and they claimed that I had a speck in my eye. Now, I, I think I consider myself a pretty uh, self-evaluating person. I, I examine myself very often in prayer through the word and I'm open to people's feedback and stuff like that. Um, so... I can't say infallibly that I was incorrect, but as far as I could discern at the moment, I wasn't incorrect. But be that as it may, um, I, they said, hey, you got a speck in your eye or something like that or a log. I said, uh, <laughs> I think I know who's talking. You got a forest in your eye. <laughs> 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 so... That, that is all to say that if you're going to make a judgment, that you got to make sure that the judgment is accurate and that you first dealt with your stuff. Right? <clears throat> um, because if anybody's going to lose respect, it's if you're doing the complete opposite of what you tell people to do. Amen? Y'all can say amen to that. I know you guys don't respect those that tell you to do something and they do the complete opposite. I'm sure some of our parents used to do that. And we're like, yo, what do you, how does that work? Um, you know, it don't work with children especially. Because they, they will remember, you know, I've seen this uh, Instagram reel recently. Where it's like uh, kids, when they when you call them on stuff, it's like, hey, didn't I tell you to clean your room? And you're like, when, do you, when the kid says, when do you say that? And he's like, uh, 37 seconds ago. But then when you tell them that you're going to do something for them, it could have been two weeks ago. And they'll say, hey, didn't you remember on March 19th at uh, 2.35 p.m. that you said that you would give me... You know, <laughs> right? It just works that way. <laughs> Anyways, verse 5, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So these people are going to have to give an account for their idle words, for their accusatory words. This is why we have to be careful with what we say, right? Man, YouTube, because of the YouTube platform, people have mastered the art of stupid claims. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to get on Amen. YouTube sometimes. I'm about to go on the comment. I go, hold on, no, never mind. Nope. I'm going to get irritated. 
uh, just pure ignorance. So let me just bypass this. Okay, because the reason why is because uh, YouTube has created a platform. Facebook has created a platform for people to make claims. They just shoot at the shooting range without any repercussions. <laughs> That's what it is. You wonder why, like some of the most, the, you know, it's like, have you guys ever heard that term in the world studio gangster? Well, they're internet gangsters. They say whatever they want, however bold they want, but you know for certain that they won't say that to people in their face in real life. And it's because it has given them a courage that they really don't have because there's no consequences. But the point that I'm trying to make is this, is look, hey, you have to be careful with what you say. Careful with what you say. But Jesus made it very clear. He says that even our idle words will be brought into judgment. You remember reading that in the text? What does it mean to be idle? They're just worthless words. But continuing forward, it says this. Uh, verse 7. Um, the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. <coughs> You want to know why for some of us our prayer life is is difficult? You want to know why? Because you're not being sober-minded. For some of you, you say, man, this prayer stuff isn't working. Because what you've done is you you put a a bunch of junk in you. And it, it has confused your mind, whether it's rated R movies or it's rated X, whatever. Or you're just inundated with all this stuff. You just cram a bunch of junk in you and you wonder why you can't pray because you can't pray the thoughts in the mind of God because you put it, you've put you been putting the mind of the world in you. Amen. Watching soap operas, watching novellas, watching drama, or how about this, watching a bunch of fights or, you know, whatever whatever it is. And l- let me say this, it may not even necessarily be evil, some of the things that you're watching, but you just cram so much of it in you that you are now intoxicated by it. See, is there anything wrong with uh, 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 wine? No, there's nothing wrong with wine. But what happens when you become intoxicated? Your judgment is now impaired. You no longer think. You don't respond the way that you used to. And so that's what happens for some of us. You take something that is given to you by God, and that's all you do is cram it in you. And you you do it excessively. So when you come to pray, you can't pray because that's all that's on your mind. You'll be trying to pray and you just see a cartoon character in your head. <laughs> or you see the image of the wedding gown that you've seen in the movie that you watched three times. Oh, that man, that would be an ideal yeah. marriage. Oh, amazing on the beach. Or how about this? Some of you study so much that all you see are, are math equations in your head because you don't give any time to God. Yeah. 
math equations or, you know. Does that, does that make sense? Everybody else still here? Amen. All clothes, all food. <laughs> Hope you're not too discouraged. <clears throat> See, I want you guys to be encouraged. <clears throat> because if you hear some, I, I I know I know some of these things can be hard, but it's necessary because what it's doing is chiseling your character. It's chiseling your character, family. Uh, there's a saying that we use over here, and it's a spiritual sandpaper. It's spiritual sandpaper. It's sanding you into that image that you need to be. Amen. See, you know, we love the quote, iron sharpens iron. But you know, iron's only sharpened when there's heat. Amen. We, we want to sharpen iron around a cup of coffee with our books open at a women's meeting and with our legs crossed and say, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> giggle, have the height, feminine laugh over some mocha, right? With a little hee hees and ha ha's. <laughs> it don't work that way. That's good fellowship, but that's not your iron being sharpened. It has to cost you something for your iron to be sharpened. <clears throat> it has to get intense sometimes with heat. That doesn't mean anger, but it means that it, it taps into you. It taps into you. Let me ask you, uh, brothers and sisters. Have you been sharpening your iron? Or have you allowed people to sharpen your iron? Because I can't tell you how many people that said, Man, I'm willing for my iron to be sharpened. Um, but they can't endure good word, brother Daniel friction. They only want to talk about the topics they want to talk about. You can't go there. You can't say certain things. You got to tiptoe. You got to act like you're walking around potato chips <laughs> because <laughs> if you talk about certain things, they, they get upset and they'll manifest. They'll they'll block you, they'll call you false teacher, everything. Yes, that's true. Everybody has to be willing to grow. But let me say this though. <clears throat> um, you know, there's this uh, brother and uh, that lives locally to me. I remember one time he said, uh, you know, God told me, God put it on my heart. Um, to reach out to you because I need to up my prayer life. I said, okay, well, be at my house and give yourself no less than a two-hour window because we're going to pray at least two hours. 
And I don't say this to insult him, but he never showed up. Now, now, well, here's what I want to say. On Facebook, I remember I tried, uh, we were speaking about prophecy and prayer and stuff like that. And then he, he didn't even, he said that God told him something. He didn't even do it. Okay. Obviously, he's recognizing that I, I have something to help to impart to him. And then maybe like a month later, he, he was basically telling me things um, as if I had to learn something from him. In the specific area, he told me to teach him something in. And now I'm not saying that he couldn't have learned something in the month. I'm not saying that I, I'm closed off to learning things from people. But the point that I'm trying to make is how dare you try to tell a doctor how to do his practice when he's been a surgeon for 10 years. Right. And then you say that I need to learn something from you when it's in the reversal and it's just pride speaking. See, just because someone is confident doesn't mean that they're proud. Because the insecure will take all confidence as a thing of pride. You have to know yourself. You have to know your limitations. You have to know what you can and can't do so that you can grow. Does that make sense? So if, if one of you guys have an authority in a specific area, I will be I would be ignorant. I would be arrogant to suggest that I have to teach you something. When obviously, like for example, Sister Estella, y'all heard me try to sing. If I, hey, Sister Estella, you know, do what, you, what you really want to do is <laughs> try to, you know, come on now. Y'all can say amen. You know what I'm, come, you guys like it when you know that you know that you know that you know that you should be doing it a certain way and then someone that's a novice tries to tell you to do otherwise. Come on now. Don't try to act holier than thou. Don't think it's pride. It is what it is. You know what you know. Or for example, Sister Rebecca is really good in clarinet. How arrogant would I be to say here, really what you need to do is this. I don't know clarinet. Or Sir Jarvis Bishop II. On on uh, you know, on his computer skills, or Brandon, the buff guy. I've asked him, "Hey, bro, like I want to start getting into working out again. You got a little resume that you can recommend to me? Know yourself, know your place. Yeah. Okay, there ain't no shame in that. Because if we can do that." And play this dance together. I need you when I need you. You need me when I you need me. And we cooperate. We will be able to do like the Tower of Babel. Nothing shall be impossible for us. Yeah. But we don't know position in the church. Everywhere else we know it. But we don't know it in the church. Amen. Okay, so... A, cu a couple more verses and we'll close. Um, above, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. 
Look, if, if, if there, the Bible says faith and hope and love, these three remain. And above these is love. If there's anything that annoys me, it's sheer religiosity. Just pure religious junk, jargon, nonsense. You know, they love to talk about eschatology and theology, but when it push comes to shove, they don't love the body of Christ. Okay? And what good is it if we know all this stuff? We know theology, I can tell you Greek, and, t- and those things are valuable, but I can't love you at the end of the day. Amen? What good is it? Amen. We have to love each other. <clears throat> and love requires sometimes telling the tr- saying hard things. Love sometimes requires encouragement. Love sometimes requires bearing one another's burdens. Love requires, and let me tell you this too, love sometimes requires for you to allow the person, the other person to fall flat on their face so that they can learn. Amen. Amen. But love. Not the new age love where anything goes. Amen. But you know, that's really deceptive because they kind of say everything goes. Everything goes except Christianity. And, and, and I, I really feel the Lord prompting me to say that some of you guys have to love uh, uh, correctly. But for some of you, it's your children. You have to allow certain things to go. And you think that their tears is not loving. To see, to, to create tears in their eyes is not a loving thing. No, it may in fact be the loving thing. But for the other parent, it may be you causing tears in their eyes is the unloving thing. I remember C.S. Lewis pointed this great truth out. He says, for the person that, uh, he says, remember, Jesus has a message for both temperaments. And I'm paraphrasing. He says, for the person that finds it easy to just neglect their family, and they will use the verse unless you hate your father and mother and and, and pick up your cross for my sake, you you won't obtain eternal life, that sort of stuff, right? They will go to that verse because they already hate their family. It's like, oh man, this is easy. And look at you, you dwarf Christians out there. You can't do it like I can do it. But he says, you know, there's a verse that says, if you neglect your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So which one is it? It's both and. Right? Amen. So for the person that wants to immediately hop to the don't deny your family, you know, you don't neglect your family, but are really an idolater of family, there's the unless you hate your mother and father verse. For the people who hate their family and don't they're just selfish, there's the don't neglect your family verse. Jesus has a way of displeasing both the conservative and the liberal. Amen. 
you know, and and, and um, yeah, he he has a way of of uh, of displeasing people sometimes. So, love it covers a multitude of sins. So, what does that mean? Does it mean just allow people to sin and everything goes? No, it means this: if they sin against you, and they repented, you forgive them. <clears throat> If it, that doesn't mean people that are taking advantage of you purposefully. No. It means people that, look, they, they legitimately messed up. And they said, look, brother, look, sister, I, I messed up and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You forgive them from your heart. And you know what? Um, you don't rub it in their face. Amen. Amen. Because, look, how many times have we gone to the Lord? And say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to do this. Please help me. Change me. I don't want to do this again, oh God. And what does he do? He forgives you. That love covers the multitude of sins. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, I, I may have said something that rubbed one of you guys wrong. But are you going to harbor unforgiveness? Especially when my intentions are sincere. Right? Or are you going to forgive? And you know, let me just say this too. Some of you, it's not a matter of forgiving, of forgiveness. Because there's some people that you're holding in debt, they didn't wrong you. It's just that your pride was hurt. You, you know what I'm talking about? When certain people expect an apology from you, and you say, what apology? It takes some discernment. Do you owe an apology or do you not? But in either case, whether you owe an apology or not, the mature person still says, I want to strive for unity. <clears throat> I remember one person said that the church coming together is like a bunch of porcupines hugging. <laughs> You're going to get prodded and you're going to get poked. Because you're going to have certain people, you don't like their temperament. You don't like their their character, the way they say things, you know. But, hey, it's much, much more better than the world, I'll tell you that. Right? Because how did the world treat you? The world treated you like trash. They ate you up, spit, spit you out. Let, let me let me share this last experience and we'll close. <clears throat> I remember one time I was I was uh this was years back and I was working, um, I was helping out at a uh, ag center because uh, I was working as security, and um, I remember I had a, a coworker. He was an atheist. Okay, bear that in mind. And I remember I was going through a very, very tough time in my life. Um, I was going through a very tough time in my life. And there was this Christian organization there at the Ag Center. 
Okay, I believe it was like Salvation Army or something. And there was a pastor there. And um, and I remember I said, hey, uh, I noticed you guys are Christians. And remember, I, I'm going through a very tough time in my life. And uh, it was just, uh, it was a very tough trial for me. And um, I reached out to him. I said, hey, uh, I noticed you're a Christian. Would you mind praying for me? And I was I was on the job, but I was I was just I was really being attacked. And I I remember still to this day what this what this pastor said. He said, "Are you going to a church by any chance?" I said, "Yeah." So well, I think you should have them pray for you. And he walked off. And I remember feeling so angry. I wanted to knock this guy out. <laughs> I really did. I didn't say I did, but I was I was really upset because in my mind I think you freaking hypocrite. You're a hypocrite because here in the scriptures the Bible commands for you to do something, and I came to you as a as a as a as a believer, and you, you you're supposed to be a brother. And you pull some shady, I don't even know what that was. Like, what, what was the reason for that? You know what I mean? Now, going back to the atheist, I remember I was talking to an atheist who used to be a, a believer. And he didn't even believe what I believed anymore. And I told him what I was going through. He said, I believe he kind of put his arm around me and said, look, man, you know, I know I don't believe what you believe, but hey, uh, your book does say that God is this and God is that and God and he was preaching to me as an atheist and his words encouraged me and I felt encouraged by an atheist and so that blew my mind today uh, that day that someone can name the name of Christ and be a deadbeat and suck at a Christian and then yet there's people in the world that it can actually be better than us as believers. And you know what makes a difference? Is love. Because there are some people in the world that even though they're, that you're a Christian, they can still legitimately love you. And so let that make the difference, is that component of love. <clears throat> because the, the world is going to... Uh, accuse us a lot of times they're wrong but hey sometimes they're right sometimes they're right and uh, when they're right it doesn't matter if it came from the mouth of a donkey we need to listen amen yeah. and so um, so in closing <clears throat> I think that's a um that's a good place to leave off on is loving one another. Now, why is it that we love? We love because he first loved us. Amen. Amen. It's not that we loved God, but he first loved us. What does it say in Romans 5, verse 8 through 10? Uh, Romans, uh, I think, 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 6 through 10, I believe. It says... Um, while we were yet without strength, while we were still ungodly, Christ died for us. 
It says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And so remember when you, you were in the mire, when you were in your sin, when you were in all of that, and Jesus came and he rescued you, he showed his love to you. He showed his love to me. His body was beat and bruised for us. So now in response, we love him <clears throat> and we love one another. That means <clears throat> we work out issues with each other. That means we, we talk things through. That means we pray for one another. If we offended one another, we pray about that together. Amen. Amen. That means you let your pride down. You let your pride go, man. That means think collectively and not individually, necessarily. That means you think of in terms of, of everybody, not just yourself. Does that make sense? And the motivation is always because of what Christ first did. Okay, so... um. <clears throat> 